You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Late Night Live. Hot topics discussed daily from 11pm onwards. Get involved by calling 0141-375-3434 or search Radio Ramadan 365. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh You're listening to Radio Ramadan Glasgow Radio Ramadan 365 broadcasting around the world online at RadioRamadan.scot You can also tune in on 87.7 FM if you're local in Glasgow And tonight we've got a great show that we'll be getting on to very shortly But first let me introduce my co-host Abu Bakr Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh How are you doing Abu Bakr? I'm great Zain, how are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm good. You're full of energy tonight. Indeed, indeed. Ready for another fun-filled show. Yeah, yesterday was great. I mean, yesterday we discussed, you know, growing up in the West, especially as youth, and the challenges that we face um, within our society and our community. And it was a really good show. I got some very good feedback from our listeners. And, and Jazakallah once again to all our listeners that have been tuning in from the very beginning. And even if you're new to the show, Late Night Live is a chance for us to discuss topics that are currently going on within our community but also things relating to COVID-19 where we started off the month talking about the effects on education, on charities and so on and uh, throughout the week we also discussed uh, you know bullying and, and also the thug life mentality uh, that was a great show yeah and we've had a couple of fundraising shows as well where we've raised money for causes here in Glasgow and uh, yeah tonight's a great show we're going to be discussing Hajj and Umrah, what's involved, what it's like, the the previous times we've been, some stories that we'd like to share uh, and things like that. But before we do that, we obviously want to go and do what we normally do at the start of the show and that's by listening to our recitation of the Holy Quran. Tonight's one <laughs> goes along with the theme of tonight's show, Hajj and Umrah, so I'm pretty sure everyone will know this voice from Makkah. Today's recitation of the day is by Sheikh Mahar from Makkah. الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا وقعتها كاذبة خافضة رافعة إذا رجت الأرض رجا وبست الجبال بسام فكانت هباء منبثام وكنتم أزواجا ثلاثة فأصحاب الميمنة ما وأصحاب المشأمة ما أصحاب المشأمة والسابقون السابقون أولئك المقربون في جنات النعيم ثلة من الأولين وقليل من الآخرين Subhanallah, what a beautiful recitation there from Sheikh Maher. 
uh, who we all know from Masjid al-Haram, and his voice is just... Uh, it's so beautiful and it's one of those voices that just straight away links you to the Haram and it's great because it just fits in with our show today uh, as we discuss Hajj and Umrah. Uh, now Hajj and Umrah, the lifetime pilgrimage of Hajj is one of our five pillars. It's a ritual that we must go to once in our lifetime. In tonight's discussion we will go through what both the lesser and full pilgrimage consist of and hear from guests that have been to Mecca and Medina. Talking about guests, let's introduce our guest of the evening, Brother Faraz Ali from Birmingham. Salaamu Alaikum Faraz. Waalaikum Salaam Zen, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm okay, I think. Still okay. <laughs> well, alive just about. Okay, well look Faraz, I know you're a teacher and many of our listeners know that now after a couple of the previous shows. So how's your week been? Um, I'm guessing you've been busy with work for your students and so on. Yeah, I think uh, if, if some days it feels like my workload has increased ever since we left school, but spend most most of the days just marking work online and emailing <laughs> students, and there's a lot of back and forth going on, and uh, I think I mentioned it to you a couple of days ago, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to get back into school, to be honest with you, I've had enough of sitting at home. Okay, now look, you're a big Liverpool fan, so tell us what's the latest update on the Premiership and what's going on? <laughs> Well, there's a meeting on Monday, so um, uh, all the Premier League teams are going to come uh, come together and and uh, and I carry out a meeting on Monday, and then we'll, I'm guessing we'll get some more news. But I think the plan is the plan came out last week that they want to get football going again in the country uh, um, on June the 12th. Okay. So I guess we'll find out on Monday. But for now, we've got German football to look forward to. It starts again tomorrow. Half uh, past okay. two on BT Sport. If anyone's interested. No, definitely. I'll give that a check if I can and I get time. But it's good to know that football is coming back because <laughs> I know we're big supporters. And uh, I think here in Glasgow, I think some rumours have come out that Celtic possibly will be given the championship on Monday. So, you know, it's exciting news all around <laughs> but for those that follow Scottish football. But, but yeah, I mean, look, tonight's show, guys, is, is all about Hajj. And, um, you know, we all know it's one of the pillars of Islam. It's one of the most important, you know, parts of Islam is, is being able to go to Hajj and also Umrah, which is the lesser pilgrimage. So just we're going to go over just a bit as we begin about what Hajj is and, and what it consists off um, before I go ahead and ask between us guys who's been and, and who's not so you know Hajj I mean billions of our Muslim brothers and sisters around the world have been undertaking Hajj each year since the year 629 CE so following the migration of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, from Medina to Mecca for anyone that's preparing to go it's an incredibly exciting time but of course a deeply spiritual serious and important period of our lives Obviously this year, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Hajj and those that have booked up to go. Um, and obviously Umrah will not reoccur until everything is kind of calmed down. Um, SubhanAllah, every year around 25,000 Muslims from the UK travel to the holy cities of Mecca and Medina to perform Hajj in unity with Muslims from all over the globe. And just to touch a bit about what the steps are of Hajj, I mean, first of all, it starts off with the preparation and the intention. And that's normally done when you're in the skies about to embark on your journey. You you um, do the intention for Hajj and uh, the same goes for Umrah before you reach the Miqat. And then you enter the state of Ihram. 
Now, the ihram, a lot of people just think of it as the outfit that you wear, the clothing that the men and ladies are, are supposed to wear, but ihram is actually the spiritual state that you enter once you've made the intention to go to Hajj or Umrah. So you normally put on your, your two items of clothing for the men, the ladies is, is obviously whatever they're supposed to wear. And, uh, you know, you're refrained from doing certain things, you know, such as covering your, your head, your face, uh, you're not allowed to apply perfumes on and so on. Uh, and then obviously once you land in Saudi Arabia, you land at Jeddah normally um, and you go ahead and perform your Umrah. Now, we all know what Umrah consists of. It consists of the Tawaf, going around the Holy Kaaba seven times. Uh, and then you're over to obviously Safa Marwa, you, you've drunk your Zamzam before that. And then for the men, they go and get their head shaved and that completes their Umrah. And for the sisters, they normal, normally cut a little bit of their hair off. Obviously after that, it changes because Umrah is complete and now it's time to prepare for Hajj and normally there's a few days of resting before Hajj starts and then you know as soon as the 8th of Dhuhijjah comes along it's ready to you know start preparing for Hajj so people will then put on their Ihram they arrive at Mina where they spend um, a few days in the tents and then after that is the day of Arafah, the day of Hajj as many claim uh, and that is the time where you repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in, in, in if Allah wills your, your sins are forgiven and after that you go over to Muzdalifah and you stay the night under the sky followed by the stoning of the devil at the Jamarats. You then offer your Karbani and obviously you're back to, to Makkah, you shave your head and once it's kind of all over you do your Tawaf, Alifada. You then go ahead and stone the devil once more and spend a night at, Min at Mina once again. Then after that you'll, you'll continue the, the rituals of stoning the devil and before you know it you've, you're over to Medina and you can obviously say your slams to the Prophet Sallallahu So, you know, many people know what Hajj is and tonight's show is not really going in too much depth about that. But we are going to discuss between us guys, um, you know, how many of us have been to Umrah, been to Hajj, been to Saudi Arabia. So let's start off with that. I mean, Faraz, you're joining us all the way from Birmingham. Uh, I know you've you've lived and you've, you've, you've worked in Saudi Arabia. So let's start off with yourself. So have you been to Hajj? Have you been to Umrah? And how many times have you been? Not, not had the, the opportunity to do Hajj, I'm afraid. Um, I was, I mean, as you know, I lived out there in, in 2015 in in Saudi Arabia. I worked, worked there for a year, and um, I think we flew out in in December 2014. And um, funnily enough, um, the town that I was working in in Saudi Arabia is quite a, a rural town, and I think there's about 50,000 people that live there. It's about four hours away from Riyadh, slap okay. bang in the middle of the middle of the desert. There's literally, there's nothing around this town. Okay. Um, and I think this college was, was purpose built um, in this town for, for the students in, in that particular area. And we got there and then it was news to everyone that, uh, you know, there's this 15 odd British teachers that have come from the UK and, and the whole community was talking about us and they wanted to know who we were and <laughs> what we looked like and whether they, they wanted to come and talk to us and give us gifts and all sorts. So we had people coming to visit our accommodation within a couple of days of us landing. Um, okay. And as, as part of that, I think some the, the local um, mustards, I think two of the main mustards, the imams came down um, and a couple of, I mean, every province in Saudi Arabia has like this, this big sheikh who's in charge of how the town is run and making sure everyone's doing their job, etc. Okay. These these guys wanted to come and speak to us and 
and and and just sort of get to know us a little bit. And um, I think the first thing they realised was that we weren't all just British, white British non-Muslims. There were, okay. I mean, the six or seven of us, about seven of us were were Muslim. Okay. Um, from the UK and then as well as that there were a couple of other teachers from France one from Syria um, within about I think a week of us being there they decided as a sort of uh, a welcoming gift that they were going to um, pay for us to go and, and complete Umrah so naturally I was I mean it's just the first time I've been to Saudi so Arabia I was really excited thinking how did you feel France how did you feel France when they offered you that opportunity I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, I mean, um, you always hear about great hospitality and uh, in our culture, especially. But we do, we didn't quite know what we were going, what to expect going to Saudi Arabia. We were going to the middle of the country. It was just desert around this town for miles and miles, <laughs> okay. and, and we just didn't know what sort of reception we, we were going to get and, and what life would be like there. But within a week, we were made to feel so welcome and, and at home, and, and and these guys who I mean, who came to speak to us, and they were handing us letters. And I mean, the the uh, the other teachers, a couple of the other teachers, they could speak Arabic, so they were translating for us and. When our one of our co-teachers Salim, when he told us that these guys are saying they want to they want to take you to Umrah, I couldn't quite believe it. Okay, um, I was like, "What do you mean, take to as in like, oh, do we have to pay for what's what's going on here?" And they said, "No, they're gonna they're gonna cover everything. Um, they're gonna sort your transportation out. They're gonna sort your accommodation out. On top of that, they're going to give us spending money wow. um, to go as well." Um, and it turned out we, we we made our we made a journey there to um, to Makkah on the first first of January 2015. So it was a, quite a nice New Year's. Okay, and and how long was the journey? The journey at all, you only started on the journey. <laughs> Tell me about it. I want to know oh, your your standard journey. So I mean, you know, it was such a nice thing that they did, and and the well, the journey was, I think, the toughest part. Um, Obviously, there's no airport there in the middle of this town, and, and I think the night, the the morning that we were meant meant to go, we still weren't quite sure how we were going to get there. And then we were told eventually that with the they had put on some coaches for us to go. Okay. So um, we're waiting in uh, outside um, the sheikh's office in the middle of the desert, and these two coaches pull up, and and uh, you know you play Call of Duty, right? And you see these these burnt out buses <laughs> yeah, that yeah. don't look like they're in a good state. Two <laughs> buses turn up. Like blacked out windows, bits are falling apart on it. And we thought, are we getting on these? And me and my, me and the boys, we looked at each other. And like, are we getting on? Is this it? Right. Salim, what's happening, man? Is, are we getting on this? And Salim went, yep, this, this, this is our transport. And we thought, oh, oh okay. <laughs> but we get, we get on, and you don't understand. That there was no air conditioning. Right. It was boiling hot. We're talking about forty-five degrees in, wow. in the middle of the desert, and we are sat on this coach and this coach i mean there were tickets that were gifted to us to go on this this coach so there were already other pilgrims on the coach from, from other parts of saudi arabia now we that first journey i think took us from where we were to Makkah. it took us um i think it took us about 11 hours through okay. the desert on a coach so you can imagine what it was like on a hot and sweaty coach for 11 hours just sat there um, making pit stops every every three or so hours. Right. Okay. Um, 
But I mean, the good thing was, you know, it was the good thing was being, you know, I was with with the lads, and, and uh, I mean, the job that I got was with one of my friends from Birmingham, and there were four four or five other lads from up north, Bolton, etc., who were with us. So we had a good little crew, um, and we all went together. We kept each other going, but that was a, that was one of the toughest journeys of, of my life on that coach. But. Um, at the same time, I was so excited to go to Umrah, you know what I mean? Like the first yeah. time you're going, and you're just like, we were like the kids on the coach, like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? We kept asking someone. <laughs> no, we asked them how long it's going to be, and then it was like, yeah, another six hours to go, and then we just slumped back into our seats. I, I think the best thing for you guys is because it was such a shotgun kind of trip, like it just kind of happened. It's totally yeah. different because normally people here have the chance to prepare to go for Umrah. I mean, uh, Abu Bakr, to ask you, you know, you, you've told me you've been to Umrah, so when did you go? I went around about 2016, 2017. Okay, and I'm guessing it was you and your family went together, yeah? Yeah, we went, uh, and I have family stay in Saudi Arabia as well. They stay in, I think it was Jeddah. Yeah, they stay in Jeddah. And uh, we went to visit them and uh, also to complete the Umrah. So we went uh, as a family and uh, I got to go with my cousins, obviously, because they live there. They, They showed us everything and it was a nice experience. Okay, <laughs> yeah, very quickly summed up there by him for us, isn't it? <laughs> he was just like, uh, yeah. It, it was, was all, a nice experience. It was a nice experience. Now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some analytic. But anyway, so yeah, for us, before I come on to I think I'm going to leave that till after the break when I, I when I want you to tell me about what it was like when, you know, you first seen the Kaaba and so on. But to give a bit of background to myself, um, Alhamdulillah, I've been blessed to go to Umrah twice and to Hajj once as well. So I went to Umrah, I think, in around 2000 and. Um, 2006, 2007, so quite quite a while ago. My dad took us when we were quite young, and uh, in school I remember I was when I went, and then uh, you know hadn't been since then. And for me, you know, every year my dad, my dad actually helps run a a, a, a Hajj and a company called Dome Tour. So he's been going to Hajj, Subhanallah. I think he's been on his 18th or 19th Hajj, possibly 20th Hajj. So he goes every year and helps out with the group. So I've been part of that kind of experience when I went to Umrah, I met a lot of the team that he worked with and I always wanted to go Hajj. It was just one of those things that was installed in my mind since I was younger. And then every year my dad would ask me, do you want to go Hajj this year? Do you want to go Hajj this year? And it was always, I had school or I had college or I had university. And then in 2016, I just graduated, didn't have a job. You know, my intention was to go and get a job. But my dad said to me, do you want to go Hajj this year? And I didn't have an excuse or a reason not to go. And although I didn't have the money at the time, I was like, okay, I, I can go and, and maybe pay my back, my dad back. So I made the intention and subhanAllah, I managed to go to Hajj in 2016. And uh, obviously I'll talk a bit more about that experience after we come back from the Arab break. And then recently I went again for Umrah. I took my gran, who I also went with when I was younger as well. So me, my gran and my auntie, we went together as part of a group from Glasgow. And it was it was a, honestly a beautiful trip the last time I went there. I mean, Makkah just changes every time that you go. But yeah, Frazer, it wasn't a shotgun trip like yourself. It was obviously I had made the intention and it was just, you know, looked forward to going. 
And subhanAllah, what can I say? I mean, I've been blessed to go three times to visit the house of Allah and I've been to Medina that many times as well. It and does keep changing every time you go, don't it? You, you, whenever you, you go, I, th- I went three times in that year and every time I went back, it, it felt like there was a brand new section that was just newly been built and it was like, these guys get things in really quick. Very quickly. And I think, you know, when I when I go and I always ask the question to the group leaders and, and so on, why is that the case? But they always tell me the same thing, it's expansion because... The amount of people that can afford to go are, are, are obviously increasing. The amount of people that are going to Umrah and Hajj are, is increasing. And they need the capacity. I mean, subhanAllah, when I was in, in Mecca just a couple of years ago, I managed to pray in the new extension. And if anyone who hasn't been and seen the new expansion, it is massive. Like, it is one of the biggest, most beautiful buildings I've ever been in. And the extent of the engineering is, is crazy. And I know, you know, there's so many tall towers now and a lot of the hotels are, are being flattened to make way of, of new facilities. But... I feel like it's required and I can see why because it's just getting busier and busier. Obviously, flights are getting cheaper as, as well they were before lockdown. So I can exa- definitely see why they, w- they were doing such things. But yeah, you're right, Fraz, it changes. <laughs> I mean, I remember, you know, when I went back after so many years, I, I remember saying to my dad, I go, so where's that food place that we used to go to and where's that hotel that we stayed in? And he's like, look, those hotels are knocked down. That food place sure. is knocked down. So... I think you're right, Faraz. It's just one of those things when you go there. And, and for those that are going for the first time, to them it will all just be normal. But if you look at some of the older pictures of not even just what's around um, the building, around the Masjid al-Haram, but just in the facility it's, uh, itself, you know, they're, they're slowly modernising the Masjid as well. So you're listening to Radio Ramadan, late night live show tonight. We're discussing Hajj and Umrah our experiences and just discussing Hajj and Umrah in general, things that we, we've seen there and also why it's so important to go and the different blessings that are involved. Now look for us, Ali, before the advert break there, we were just getting into our experiences going to Hajj and Umrah and I was, you know, talking a bit more about going to Hajj. So, you know, the question I always ask everyone is, and anyone that has met that I've met that's went to maybe Hajj for the first time or Umrah for the first time, or their experience there was how did you feel you've arrived in Makkah, you've got off the bus your 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 crazy bus journey that you went on right and you've just got off it's hot and sweaty and obviously you start making your way to the Masjid Haram the goosebumps are going through you you walk into the Haram and you know when you set eyes on on the camera tell me that experience what was it like well I think when when we first landed there obviously we we went to check into our hotel and everyone was a bit um, we were curious to see what our hotel was going to be like after that bus journey. But um, <laughs> Alhamdulillah, the, the hotel was very, very nice. I think it was a four-star hotel. And it, it was like gold and silver everywhere. And it was massive and, and a really, really modern hotel. So um, that was pleasing to see. And then I you know, came freshened up. And the, obviously, for me, I think the other guys had, had already been um, okay. a couple of times. There was only me and someone, uh, one of the other lads who, for whom it was their first time. And we just couldn't wait to get there. We were like, we want to go, we want to go, let's go, let's go. Right. Um, then we got freshened up and then we went down and the whole way it was just like, I actually can't believe what, what's happening. Okay. Right. You already you always see this, um, the journey and you see documentaries and videos and stuff on YouTube and yep. it's always something that other people are doing. It's, it's never something that you go through yourself. 
Um, okay. And I'm just, I'm just going down. I was just always asking questions like, what am I going to do when I get there? Yeah, do yeah. I, what do I do with that bit? And, and my mate, Adil, I'm sure at one point he was, he was about to tell me just to just shut, shut my mouth because I was just <laughs> doing his head in the whole way. There, what's what's going to happen there? What's going to happen there? Um, eventually we got there and I mean I mean the first thing I remember was like millions of taxis okay and, and I couldn't believe the amount of Pakistanis that were there and I, I couldn't believe it Can like all the taxi drivers were Pakistani and all <laughs> I could hear was Urdu okay like, like, like everywhere Pakistanis talking to each other and, um, and, and I didn't expect that to be honest just seeing that right outside uh, right outside the, uh, the street surrounding it yeah, and did you hear all those horns going on and off <laughs> Yeah, I had, I had all sorts of noises, for, and, you know, people, um, people begging, and then you see all the side streets. When we were walking down the streets, uh, the side streets, and the, 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 the really cramped little restaurants, and yeah. um, a lot of people who were not really that that well off, and a lot of there were quite a few beggars there as well, right outside yep. um, the complex. So, um, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit weird. I mean, um, I mean, in the streets leading up to it. it there was a sort of a little bit of a familiar feel to it because it, it did feel like uh, I was in South Asia for a moment there and the amount of South Asians I saw there. Yeah. I but think... once you walk in and then you see like the big complex and then that's when it hit, hits home that, you know what, I'm, I'm here. Okay, now look, we've not reached the part where you've seen the Kaaba yet, so uh, Abu Bakr, I'm asking Faraz, obviously, I mean, about his experience when he first got into Mecca. Yeah. Now, I know it's been a few years since you went, so do you remember when you first arrived in Mecca, before you actually seen the Kaaba, you're, you're just about to walk into the Haram, how were you feeling and what was it like? Uh, I think my situation was this, is the same as Faraz's, you know, leading up uh, from when, where our hotel was, uh, up to the mosque, um, you know, there was all them beggars on the street, you know, se- selling stuff. And from what I remember, uh, you know, the police used to come and then everything used to scatter. Everything was gone in, you know, a, in the space of a couple of minutes. Um, I think <laughs> because uh, if you were seen begging, you'd get arrested yeah, or something. Yeah, you were allowed to. Um, but that first time mm-hmm. when you're walking up to the Haram, I mean, everyone remembers that. Something you yeah. can't forget. So you had your Haram on and your wee flip flops. So <laughs> how did you feel when I you think I was up? just how, how was it like putting the Haram on? I mean, let's talk about that for a moment. Okay, like, okay. You know, so when, you know, putting the Haram on, I was thinking to myself, how do people do? This is gonna fall off. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's all I was thinking. This is gonna fall off. I, I don't trust anyone. Right, so my for, mate was showing me how he did it, like over his clothes, like before we got on the. Um, before we, we got to the, the meet-up point, he was like, this is how you're going to do it. And I was like, nah, this is going to fall off. Like, it's not tight enough. Um, and he was like, no, don't worry, it's, it's going to be fine. And the whole way, I was just thinking it's going to fall off. So, <laughs> I think the, the <laughs> first time I put the, uh, the, the, cl- the cloth on was on the, the plane. Okay. Uh, my dad got me and my brother ready, uh, and we, we had to change clothes on the plane and you know that was the first time yeah, I, I think on and I, I, I was the same I was like I don't want to wear this <laughs> it's going to fall off. off you know I'm the same <laughs> that was my biggest worry I mean even though when I, I can't remember much about it when I went the first time right but when I went to when I was going to Hajj that's what all I could I wouldn't stop asking everyone that I had been and, 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 and the group leaders and stuff my ram and I'm like why are you worrying about it nothing's going to happen I goes but what if it falls off and I was just so nervous about putting it on on yeah. the plane and what if you know so when I went to Hajj I actually put the ram on on the plane mm-hmm. so I had my joggies on when I first went on but 
I was so nervous, and by by the time I'd put my hiram on, I think around most of the plane had been to the toilet, right? Mm-hmm. So it was wet, and people had done their wuzu because on Saudi Arabian Airlines is actually a prayer room at the back of the plane, so people had been doing their their final namazis before they landed, and. I remember putting it on, I was knocking over the toilet soap, it was so tight in there. <laughs> I was so nervous because I didn't have anyone to ask because when I went to Hajj, I went on my own in terms of my dad was actually with the five star group and that was a total different flight. Uh-huh. And it was just me and Brother Zubair Alvi and honestly Brother Zubair Alvi, I don't know if he's going to listen to this but the love I have for this guy, he got me through Hajj, he was my group leader and subhanAllah the amount of stories he told me the amount of stuff he had to put up with me I actually stayed in their room with the group leaders they put me in that room and it was amazing because I got to ask a lot of questions I must have done their head in but when I came to the Ihram I was kind of on my own and I was sitting next to uh, a family uh, a brother and, and, and his mum and he, he, I couldn't get anything off this brother because it was his first time flying on a plane. Mm-hmm. So, so he was like, kept pushing the button for the flight attendant to come <laughs> and asking her for this and that. And I was like, oh, dear, dear, like, because I couldn't sleep either because they kept coming in it. So I was already nervous. And then I put that ram on and I was like, I hope I've done it right. And what if it falls off? And for the men, I mean, that is, it's, it's, it's really difficult for the men. It right? was a massive worry. I mean, all I kept asking when we got to the meetup, when you get to the meetup, when there's, there's, there's people there that have, that have these little pop-up stores that are yeah. selling all sorts of stuff. And I kept asking, oh, can I wear a belt? I mean, mm-hmm. I need a belt. I need to put a belt on. And they said, you can't wear a belt over it, bro. It's just two, two sheets. That's it. I was like, how it doesn't make sense but if I don't wear a belt it's going to fall off gonna and then fall what? Off. they're like no don't worry it's going to be fine and, and eventually I just had to sort of stick with it and just get through the nerves and I mean I, 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 I th- I'm, I'm guessing I did it right because it didn't fall off there, there was no worry in that sense yeah. but, although, although we're saying all these things uh, the first time I wo- wore it I did feel pure though yeah, you know, there's that sensitive purity, and you know, there's no Gucci. Uh, it doesn't matter what uh-huh, brand. You've it got. doesn't matter what brand. Uh, everyone's wearing the same thing, and then when why you do you wear Gucci anyway? What, what a terrible <laughs> no, brand you wear. No, I'm just, I'm just naming. You tell them, Fraz. I'm just naming a oh, brand. God. No, there's, there's none Abu of that. Abu gonna make Gucci harams one day. There's <laughs> just, there's, there's just that sense of uh, purity there, yeah, and you I know, think, everyone's wearing the same thing. And when you go into the mosque and you see everyone, it's just like, yeah, wow. you know. See, when you see everyone wearing the ihram, that, that makes you feel kind of okay. And, and I'm going about everyone in the bus like, you guys okay? You're ihram okay? They're all just looking <laughs> yeah. at me like, Zen, get yes. on with it. <laughs> yeah, same. Just asking everyone, is it, you know, is, have I done it right? Is it okay? I'm, I'm just looking at everyone else and seeing how they've done their ihram and they all look the same. I was like, yeah, are you okay? No, definitely. I, I, thousands of people here that, that have done the same thing as me. I think, yeah, when it, with another thing, not just in terms of the dress, it's also the state. I was really nervous about... You know, what if I cover my face or if I, you know, and, and I put a jumper over my head? Oh, yeah. And, you yeah. know, and, and obviously you have to be careful because the the planes, uh, you know, I had to check the soap because obviously you're not allowed to wear your, your scented stuff. So that was a bit nerve-wracking for me. And obviously, you know, things like cutting the nails and stuff is something. Was it was it hot when, when, when you went? So, for us, when I went to uh, Hajj, it was very hot. And for anyone who's been Hajj in the last few years... You know, and, the, and for anyone that's going in the next few years this is a very hot period because it falls in what now when I went it was September time so it wasn't as bad but my father-in-law and mother-in-law went last year and obviously my dad went uh, two years ago and 
when they went, um, they told me it was that it's the heat is difficult. And let me tell you it's something. The, yeah. yeah, the sun. You, I mean, you're talking about covering the head. I mean, it was so hot, and the sun was just bound, bouncing yeah. off my head, and I just kept putting a scarf over the top of my head, not realizing that. It, it I, I was reminded hand. time and again that I couldn't do it, but I just kept putting it on, and my mate with me, a dear, he kept ripping it off the top of my head every time I put it on. They said, "What are you doing? Take it off!" And it, Take it off. I just kept. It was. It was, it was quite uncomfortable. It's difficult to get used to because if if you're not used to doing it and you've not done Umrah before and you don't go regularly, it's, it's one of those things that's not second nature. It's You have to kind of just be wary. But, I mean, alhamdulillah, as long as you've got people around you that, that remind you, I mean, that ihram, like you're saying, you're worried about falling off. Let me tell you something. I don't think during Hajj or Umrah, the, the last time that I went a couple of years ago, I don't remember it actually falling off. And in Hajj, I remember because I was kind of helping out with the team, they asked me to run for 10 or 15 minutes ahead in the heat for us. We were walking back from the Jamarat to go and get some water for the group. And I ran, right? And I was sweating and it was boiling hot and my ram didn't even come loose, right? I was worried about it falling off. I'm holding on to it at the side. But I managed to get there and, and bring some water back and that was never happening. But then I realised actually once you feel comfortable in the ram, I mean, when you go hajj, you're not in that ahram for a couple of hours, you're in that ahram for a few days, you know. And when you're in Mina and you're wearing that ahram, you know, it's it's not easy. It's not easy and, and you're trying to well, sleep. In, in a sense, it helps really with the hot weather as well, just having two sheets of cloth rather than, you know, having a... Of course. Like now, look, coming away from the ahram, right, let's get into the nitty-gritty. When you first walked in to the Masjid Haram, obviously you, you see the minarets, you see everyone walking towards it, some people coming out, you've, you've got a sense of what Makkah's like with the taxi drivers and the beggars and the food stalls, but when you when you set foot on that marble flooring and you're walking down to the Haram, I mean obviously when you go to the Haram for anyone that's not been, it's, you're advised to keep your head down for as long as you can until you get quite close to the Kaaba and then you can look up. And normally at that point, you know, you look at the Kaaba and you take it all in, and you make du'a because you know our group leader reminded us that when you make that du'a, it's it's accepted. So make it a good one, you know. And uh, so so for us, tell me the f you you know you went on this trip, right? It was a shotgun trip to begin with. You've you've got into the hustle and bustle of Makkah. You're walking into the Haram, and you just set eyes on the Kaaba. What was that feeling like? I remember thinking, where where am I going? First and foremost, it felt like an age once you get into the Haram to actually yeah. get to where the Kaaba is because we were going left and right and up some stairs and down some stairs yep. and, and I didn't know what was happening and, and as soon as we entered the actual complex itself, the Haram, my, my mate told me keep your head down and, and, and don't look up. I was like, why? I don't, I don't understand. And he said, no, just keep your head down and just, just follow my lead. And, because, and then I'll tell you to put your head up. And that's, that's when you, you'll see the Kaaba. So the whole time I'm staring at the floor and you're bouncing off someone to your right, yeah, bouncing, yeah. Off somebody, bouncing off a wall and the, the, the whole way there. <laughs> um, and then you're, you're, you're trying to keep an eye on where, where your mate's taking you as well. But, I mean, the whole, the whole time it was just like this waiting game. Yeah, and you get to see the Kaaba. And then finally he's like, you can put your head up now because they're trying to get you as close as possible yeah, aren't they? Yeah. rather than seeing it from like from far like you said and i mean the first time i saw it i mean i did i don't think i've had many experiences in my life where i've been overwhelmed i think is yeah. is the right way to use it when i first set when i first looked up and i saw it, it was it was very very surreal to, to actually think you know i'm stood in front of 
in front of the Kaaba. Now, this yeah. is something that I've only ever seen in pictures and um, and on the TV. And just standing there was like, I, I, I can't believe that I'm, I'm actually here. Um, yeah. And then, you, then my friends were sort of reminding me that, you know, that you, that the first time you see the Kaaba, you should make it the world for something that you wish for, and inshallah, you'll come to. Um, you'll get what you want and no, but it was just I couldn't take my eyes off it after yeah. that it was like all I wanted to do was just sit there in, in front I didn't want to walk around because the guys that I'd, I'd been with they, they like I said they'd already been a few times before so they wanted to go to such and such a place and it's cooler or such and such a place to do something and I wasn't I wasn't interested in anything I just wanted to go and sit in and front like, of them just stare at stare at it for like, yeah. like an hour I mean because I couldn't believe what I was seeing I think I'm the same I mean I, like I've been, I've been a couple of times when I went to Hajj and, and that was in 2016 I hadn't been in obviously quite a few years and I remember just trying to take it all in and you know you stand there for a few minutes and you're looking around you and, and, and when I went to Umrah there I, I, when I went with my gran and my khala and my auntie she'd never been so you know and, and it's been so many years so you know I just said to her I goes I want you to just enjoy that moment and and take as long as you need take it all in and and I was kind of their little tour guide so I was I was you know mm-hmm. taking them along and for me when I set eyes on the Kaaba whenever I go I just look and you know and I, I'm not and I'm going to be honest um when I went the last time uh, sorry when I went Hajj there was a a family next to me now the, there must have been the son in his 40s 50s maybe and and his mother and I, I can't remember they must have been from Egypt or, or elsewhere but they were crying their eyes out you know and and they and for me I wanted to cry my eyes out and I couldn't get the tears to come out because I, and, and you know I'd been when I was younger but for them you know you're like you're saying Fraz for many people and this is something that I really wanted to discuss um, just after we come off this point is that you know we're lucky we get the chance to go to Umrah Subhanallah you were gifted the chance to go three times in one year but you know we've got the opportunity to just go to a, a travel agent book up and fly out there but these people you don't know what situation that many people are in some of them have saved their whole lives they've been praying this direction since they were kids since they were born all they've been taught about they've seen the pictures of the Kaaba in their house and and they've heard all the stories and they hear the reminders and this is drilled into us and, and, and these people have set eyes on the beloved Kaaba after all this time and that's why they were in tears because they were they're much older and subhanAllah the level of probably Iman and faith that they had that they were just crying their eyes out and I remember that's me I had that feeling just looking at the Kaaba saying subhanAllah I'm here and, and Allah invited us there do you get me that's his house you, you're allowed to see it and you're allowed to be there and you know, obviously, Fraz, you're looking at it, and then all of a sudden, your group leader just grabs you and says, "Right, it's time to start the tawaf." So, so you've 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 taken in the Kaaba, and then you've went straight into the tawaf. Now, the tawaf for for those that haven't been, tawaf is one of the principal rites of the pilgrimage uh, of Umrah and Hajj, and it refers to walking around in circles around the Kaaba in an anti-clockwise motion. So, one tawaf is made up of of seven complete circuits with each one starting and ending at the black stone. So you go past the black stone and, and after that, that becomes your first circle and, and, and vice versa. You just keep going round and round. So, you know, Fraz Ali, is there anything you want to share about the Tawaf when you were doing it? Because for many people, it's, it's obviously Tawaf is, is a type of prayer. And, you, mm. you know, as soon as you go into Tawaf, you're in that flow and you're surrounded by, if you're on the bottom floor anyway, you're bouncing off people. You're you're all of a sudden went from being that boy, yeah. from, boy from Birmingham that's just landed here to being one of 
hundreds of thousands that are in the Masjid Haram and you're bouncing off someone from 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 Bangladesh, then you've had someone from Indonesia next to you, then a group just pushed by. So so what was it like when you you started your tawaf? Yeah, I guess it's the same sort of things you can say about it. The whole experience really really, really surreal. Couldn't quite believe what what I was doing there and, and we had only just landed in the country about a week prior to that and I just remember it being really, really busy and and on top of that, my feet were killing me the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the marble floor and, and it was just, just banging off people, like you said, bouncing off people. And then, and I mean, it's told by, by, by everyone that you need to try and keep count. I must remember losing count mm-hmm. of, of how many how many circuits we've, we've done. And my mate just kept telling me, okay, this is the second one, that's the third yeah. one now. And, then, and he just kept nudging me and reminding me that you, you have to put your hand up now because you can't really get to... Uh, as close as you want to to the to the black stone, and I re- remember seeing sort of all sorts going on in, yeah. in that um, in the hustle and bustle. You know, people pushing each other yeah. and trying to get past each other, and and you get like I, I couldn't quite. But it's and it's not just the older women, okay? But they, <laughs> that was the most shocking thing. The elder women. I mean, I, that's I think that was the day I realized just how strong. Elder women, women are. They, they were they were pushing people and knocking people for six. <laughs> they, they want to get somewhere. They will get they there. They don't do care it. who's in their way. Mm, do you know yeah. what I mean? And it's, it's not just the women. You know, everyone does it. But the, I mean, it was so surprising to see elderly women and just pushing each other. Just and pushing each other. My mate kept explaining to me on the way on the journey that the people are going to do things or might say something to you that you might not like, but you remember you just remember where you are and why yeah. you're here. Um, and just try to be patient patient because you're going to need a lot of patience. No, and definitely. I didn't quite understand until you got there and you're yeah. in and you're doing the laugh. That's you, that's the moment when you realise uh, what my mate was talking about yeah. just that you need because like you said, uh, my other friend was, was reminding me as well before we went that a lot of these people have come from very poor. You never know where, where the, which side of the world they've come from, how many yeah. years they've saved, saved for. They're never going to get another opportunity to, to do this again. And so people are eager, you know what I mean? And no. they want to do things and push and pull. And it's not, uh, and there's no bad intent to it. They're just, they're just trying to get yeah. it. I think... Like you touched on there, Faraz, patience is something that, you know, when I was preparing to go to Hajj, that's when, you know, the patience side came into it. So I set my, I set my goals before I left. Like I, I, I said to myself then, you're going to be patient. I'm one of those people that's always complaining about things. And if something goes wrong, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm writing about it and complaining. But, you know, when I went to Hajj, Alhamdulillah, and I'm proud of myself for doing that. I, I managed to just say to myself, right, it's a fresh start. And just say Alhamdulillah for everything. So I think when we were getting on the plane, there was a couple of delays. And I just said, you know what? I've got all the time in the world, right? I didn't even say to myself that I'm going to be going, I'm going to reach Makkah. If I reach there, Alhamdulillah. If I get to the Haram, Alhamdulillah. If my Hajj is complete, Alhamdulillah. So I drilled that into my head. So, you know, on the plane, oh, I think maybe one of my meal was cold or this and that. I was just letting it go by me. Do you get me? I trained my mind to just say, and so what? Just get on with it, and you know we're going. So, so you're right. The patience thing, especially when you come into the Tawaf area, it, there's a lot of pushing, and people are coming anti-clockwise. And for those that have been, you know exactly how it is. Yeah, as well as that, I remember like before I left for Saudi Arabia, you talk to your friends about you know going going on and what it's like and stuff, and they tell you that you'll see people from all all different parts of the world, and people with tattoos, and black people, and white people, and ginger people, and people with piercings in odd places, and 
and it's there and it's and seeing women with tattoos on their head and you know a lot of people from from a uh, lot of bedouins from saudi arabian deserts who have sort of piercing through through their ears and weird yeah. tattoos on their foreheads and you see a lot of guys who have got tattoos and and, and it was just like yeah. It's, just, it's just weird it's, to it's see so the, the diversity and the range of people that you see in this one place that are there for one reason. And you know, it's, it's at that point when, you know, you've got your doubts growing up as a youth, especially in the UK, and you see all these things in the media and the news, but you know when you're there, and especially in Hajj time, Fraz, I mean, you've been in Umrah, but seeing Hajj, it's, it's double and triple the amount of people, and you know what, you just feel the sense of oneness we're all Muslim, we're all here together and you're saying Aslamu Alaikum to one brother from Egypt and then the next minute you know you, you know, someone shouting at you so there's you know one story from the Tawaf that I'd, I'd love to share is is uh, when I was doing Tawaf now I went with my gran and she's normally in a wheelchair when she does long distances but my, my gran was adamant that this Tawaf that she was going to do that she wanted to do it on her feet now she just had two knee operations and she wasn't in the best to stay but she wanted to do it and you know, I'm holding on to my gran and my khalas there, and obviously these people are just pushing and shoving. So, you know, yeah. managed to get my gran round. But while I was doing my tawaf, um, I came across, and this was actually later on, I think I was on my own, and I came across this brother who must have been in his 50s, and he was with his mum. Now, I've not seen a, an elderly lady like this in, in, in most of my life. She was very old and very fragile. And subhanAllah, she was doing the tawaf and she was caught up between the hustle and bustle and the son was having a hard time pushing people out the way. They were just pushing right into her. And you know, honestly, I, I think I shed a tear when I seen her because she must the strength that she had to do that in hajj time and it's so cramped down there. So I remember I grabbed a couple of brothers. I have no idea who they were. I think they were Indonesian. I said, right, you there, you there. And we made a circle around the family. And mm. we stayed with them all the way. I kept shouting to them. We couldn't. We didn't understand each other's language, but I was putting my fingers up. So how many tawafs are you on? They said we're on the fourth one. Now we're on the fifth one, and we just escorted them around the Kaaba and made. And I'd done my seven anyway. So for me, it was just a matter of helping them out. And alhamdulillah, we managed to get around to the seventh. And the guy hugged me, and you know, the the auntie, the elderly lady, started doing tawaf for me. And that's just, you know, it's, it happens between Tawaf and another thing in Tawaf that happened to me as well and was, you know, when you're in Tawaf, you're in your own zone. I'm either listening to Quran, I'm reading Quran or I'm doing dhikr whenever I used to go for a, a wee cheeky Tawaf at night. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, that's another thing, <laughs> you know, like you said, Fraz, when you're with the lads and you're with the boys, I would normally at the hotel just... WhatsApp one of the boys and say I'll meet you downstairs let's go for a wee tawaf before Fajr and we normally just link up get a wee tea and then go for a tawaf and, <laughs> and because it's you know when you're there you want to make the most out of it right and yeah. you're near and, and obviously the hustle and bustle that's going on especially near the black stone I mean people are getting punched and women are getting their hijabs taken off I mean you see all sorts there but it's 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 just one of those things like you said they're all from different backgrounds but I remember in the Tawaf area, I've had a couple of weird experiences where there was one point we were lining up for Fajr and I remember turning to Brother Zabir and saying, oh, Brother Zabir, I know this one brother from Luton. I'm sure he's here doing Hajj this year. And subhanAllah, the minute I said it, he, out of all those hundreds of thousands of people, he went past me in Tawaf, right? And wow. I just remember saying, bro, like, I literally, his name was Dawood, I'm sure. And I was like, bro, I literally just thought of you and subhanAllah, we're hugging and, and so on and and that's just one of the amazing things that happened to me there. But yeah, tawaf is crazy. And then obviously, Farazali, you finish off your tawaf 
and you're straight over to, you know, you do your tunafal behind Maqam Ibrahim, you have your bit of Zamzam and then you're on to Safa Marwa. So, you know, Safa Marwa, for those who don't know what that is, it's, it's when you, you walk between the two mountains and you do that as well seven times. And also for the men, there's a section where there's green lights where you're kind of encouraged to jog a little bit. And... Um, Safa and Marwa, man, is, is for me, it's quite long for those that aren't used to it, but it's, it's a blessing as well. Oh, I mean, I love t- Tell me about it. That, that <laughs> was, I think, that was the toughest part. I'm, I'm not sure. Seriously, yeah. I'm not sure whether the surface that you work, walk on is slightly different in uh, between Safa and Marwa yeah. compared to the walk, but it's, it's this, it seemed more sort of um, more rocky there um, at, at either end. But yeah. I mean, walk, walking up and down, and, and I just remember my feet killing me, and, <laughs> and I'm just thinking, oh my god! And That's I hard. Mean, it, it may it may seem a little bit, bit bit bad to say, but I was thinking, but how many are we on? Man? How many are we on? No, you know what I mean. You're right, friend. And seeing the green lights, I'm thinking, oh god, I gotta run again. You gotta run again. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You imagine doing that, and I had I had my gran on a wheelchair. And I also had a group with me that I was kind of looking after when I was doing Umrah. So I'm I'm on the wheelchair and you're trying not to hit people's ankles from behind. And I'm racing yeah. kids, you know, like these kids. They do, on... they do have those wheelchair lanes, though. The last yeah, time they I do. went, they had, they had these lanes, yeah. Yeah, they do, but unfortunately... And you can get one of the, the guys, um, you get a lot of helpers, you. the Saudi helpers, who yeah, will yeah. take the wheelchair for you. No, def- I chose to do it myself, right? And it's funny because, you know, when <laughs> we're going in the lanes, people are just walking in those wheelchair lanes. And I'm trying to say to them, can you move out the yeah. way? But... You, they don't listen, but yeah, Savannah Safa Marwa is, and you're right. But the thing that no, gets, it's, it's 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 weird that to think that me and you, as I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, but I still consider myself to be a, a young young lad. But um, us youngsters, how difficult we find it, and just think about how how difficult the elderly find yes. it, and those have sort of impairments, um, and 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 just the amount that they're going through, and, and they're not complaining. It's I mean, it's commendable, isn't it, just to see? Yeah. All the no, do you know? Do, do you know? I was shattered is? by the end of Umrah. I, I'll be honest with you. I was yeah. like, I, I need a, I need to sleep for about a week. <laughs> Look, you're saying that about Umrah, but you know, after the advert break, I'm going to go on to a bit more about Hajj, and then we are going to talk about that definitely towards the end of the show. Why Hajj is so important, uh, and and why it's better to go sooner rather than later. We were just discussing Umrah, and we we're reaching towards the end of Umrah, and and, and when you perform Safa Marwa. And after that, Fraz, it's straight to the barbers and you get your head shaved off and that's your Umrah done. Now, did you get your head shaved off or did you get a trim? You know what? You know, a few days, well, not even a few days, the day before we were meant to go, all I could think about was my hair. (laughs) Anyone that knows me knows just how much I care about my hair. Yeah, I mean, ever since I was was a young lad in school, I mean, my hair meant everything to me. the whole time I was there, like, Googling, do I have to shave my hair or can I just cut it a little bit? And I was asking all my mates, can I cut it just a little bit or shave it? And everyone was saying, well, you can just, like, you know, you know trim an equal length off from the whole of your, all of your head. Um, yeah. But my, my friend Salim, who, um, who, was, who was Syrian, he, he kept saying to me, he said, he said no, you're going to have to shave it. You're going to, if it's your first time going, yeah. you should shave it. I said, no, Salim, I can't do it, man. I've never been bald in my life. And I'm quite a slim lad. And if I go bald, it's, I'm just going to look really, really weird. I can't do it. And Salim said something to me when we were sat in the car one day when we were on, on our way back from college. And he said, I said, how much do you love your hair? <laughs> and I said, um, I said, I, I love more. I, you know, I love my hair. I mean, this, this, you know, <laughs> it's a really big feature of mine. I, I mean, I do it every morning and, you know, I get my hair cut, done every week. So I can't live without it. And he said, you think, 
do you think that uh, you love your hair more than the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam loved yeah. his hair? Do you think people? Do you think his hair meant more to him, or your hair means more to you? And that sort of shut me up there and then. Do you know okay. what I mean? And I was like, and and then he said, you know, when the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to awesome. used to go and and people bro, how do you used to get it shaved off fully with a blade? He goes, and his hair is more precious than anyone's hair in the whole world. Yeah. And in that instant, it was like, you know what? Salim, my hair doesn't mean anything. Let's get it shaved off. Yeah, and then not, just forget about it. And I thought, you know what? Let's. And then once you leave the harem and you're about to go on your way to the bar, you know, you see all these guys with with scissors. Yeah. And they're, and they're walking up to you and they're doing the snip snip gesture. Yeah, yeah. Snip, 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 snip. And I'm like, what's going on here, boys? What's to save me? And like three people walking up to me and the boys are like, no, no, don't worry about these guys. Just you know, opportunists who are trying to make a little bit of money on the side. So you're yeah. not you're not really allowed to get just one snip. Um, taken off anyway, and then had to go down to the barbers, and then they're all Pakistani as well, Pakistani and Indian as well, aren't they? And yeah. Put like shampoo on your hair, and they started to shave my head off. And, and how did you feel? They're watching my hair fall off, and I was yeah. like, no. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, as much as I know it's a pain if you love your hair and so on, but for me. When you get your head shaved, you just feel like a new person when you walk out of that barber because yeah, you're. I, 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 I do have to say, yeah. I mean, I, I did feel like a different person, and once it all went off, and and, I, and you know, in the first time you touch your hair, yeah. like I've never been bald in my life, and it, it's it's like a running joke, you know, that people do to bald people when you go and you just you know put your hand on their head just to feel yeah. what it's like, and you start you start doing that to yourself. Yeah, and yeah. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's it. More smooth and shiny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, me too. Touching and, my head. And you know when you go for that first shower, Subhanallah, it's it's amazing, and you're just touching your hair, and you know what? So what if if you lose your hair and whatever, because it grows back even better, and uh, you to know. To be honest, ever since I've I've quite liked the bald look. Yeah. Um, and, and I've always said that I want to I want to go bald again, but. Um, Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll be waiting for that. Like I'll be waiting for that day, Fraz, when you do a a fatty decision and decide to make yourself bald. <laughs> it's still waiting. a mess right now because of Corona. I've not been to the barbers for 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 a few months, and no, it's, it's just growing everywhere. But. No, definitely. Now, look, you've, you've, you at that point you've completed your umrah, and, and like you said, you've not done Hajj. But for me, I wanted to just touch on some of the points. You know, for me during Hajj, and and, and I can share that with you, Fraz and, and Abu Bakr. You know. After you've done that, normally in Hajj, what happens there is I went on the long package, so I actually went on the the four star package. Now, although my dad offered me to come on the five star package, and even when he got to to Saudi and he landed and I met my dad because he was running a different group, he kept saying to me, "Look, I've got a bed for you." Now I was staying in a four star hotel just behind the clock tower, and you know, in my hotel it was it was it was a bit crazy, right? It was full of all these different Indonesians and this and that. But my dad was staying in the Fairmont, which is it the the it had the room oh, facing fancy. the yeah the room facing the clock tower so every day he's sending us pictures of his fancy room with a view of the the haram and Mush- and the Kaaba and he kept saying to me look I've got a bed for you there and I said look dad I made the intention to come on a four star hajj and I'm enjoying it you know because at that point like I said I drilled into my head patience and my phone I was barely using it I was just chilling and enjoying the moment and I like the four star hotel I told my dad I like that the lift breaks down every time I use it I like that <laughs> I like that the food's maybe not as good as your, your food. lift shouldn't be breaking down <laughs> in a four star hotel surely right but you know there it's crazy obviously the, the amount of people that are using the place and I like that the room was a bit messy and it wasn't all fancy and the, the horns going off and the police doing their siren just for the sake of it outside my window I like that and 
you know, and my dad was, although he's a bit upset, <laughs> I was like, look, I came for a four-star hajj, and, and, and that's where I met a lot of the brothers, and subhanAllah, the group of brothers that I made there, I still talk to most of them today, and, you know, young lads like me, we just formed a friendship, and we formed a crew, and everyone would take, you know, have a joke with us and say, so oh, the, part of the experience, really, it. isn't it, and that's where you're staying, and the, 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 the you know, the testing and times that you're going through, and things going wrong, and, I mean, if, if you didn't go through all that, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have a show today, exactly, and exactly, and there's no buzz, right, if, without that, and, you know, us young lads went through quite a few things, and, you know, subhanAllah, we were there to pick each other up and I, there was one brother that was quite knowledgeable and I would go to him and ask him for advice, uh, Abdul Hasib. And then there was another couple of lads from Luton. One of them knew our good friend Tokir. So it, we all just kind of knew each other and got along. And I remember, you know, my, one of the closest friends I made was Fahim from London. And, um, you know, what an amazing lad. He just, you know, we all were talking about how we came to doing Hajj. You know, Hajj is expensive, right? And, you know, I'm going to come on to that in just a second, but... You know, at that time when I went, it was around five, five and a half grand, and it's just going up every year. And, you know, the br- I asked some of the brothers, so what made you come Hajj? Because we were all in the same boat, 21, 22 years old. And they just said, look, then we had got the money, and, you know, it's one of those things we just wanted to do. And subhanAllah, they came on board, and they came Hajj, and we were all in the same boat. And, you know, for me, I had this worry about my Hajj being accepted, imagining all this effort, and I make a mistake. And, you know, and I don't mind mentioning this on air. At that point, you know, before I'd come to Hajj, I don't feel I'd prepared myself enough, you know. And you can never prepare yourself enough for something such so big as this, especially at a young age. But I had this habit of littering, right? And just here in the UK, it's something that's so common between the youth that you just put your window down and you throw, you know, your crisp packet out and so on. And, you know, I was in when I was at, uh, in Mecca and the days leading up before Hajj uh, started, I remember I was walking and um, I think I had a packet, like a, 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 a packet of chocolate or something. I ate it and I dropped the letter, right? And I dropped it on the floor and, and I just carried on walking without thinking about it. And my dear brother Fahim, I'll never forget when he grabbed me and he said, Zen, stop. And we stopped and he said, you know, you've been worried about your hajj being accepted, this and that. He goes, you dropping that letter and leaving it there could be the reason that your hajj is not accepted, Right. And subhanAllah, like, for me, I went back, I picked up the letter, I put it in the bin, I didn't letter for the full hajj, and I've tried to maintain that since then. I'm always careful to just where's in his bin and throw stuff away, and I'm very... And that reminder for me, that's what's so important about having the right company around you, and you meet those people in hajj that just bounce off each other, and that keeps you going. Now, going on to the hajj aspect, and that was a reminder I wanted to share, definitely, but you get back into your ihram after you've completed your umrah and hajj starts, and that's when the buzz really kicks in. You get on the buses, Fraz, and those buses that you were talking about. Actually, we had half decent buses. And you go in all your groups to Thanks. Mina, right? And you arrive in Mina to the tents. Now, Mina is where, the, where we spend a few days in the tents. And from Mina, you walk to the Jamarats. Now, the tents are not like the hotels, right? It doesn't matter if you went on a five-star Hajj, a ten-star Hajj, you paid ten grand or you paid one grand. You're in these tents, right? And... The tent, when you go into to the tents in, in Mina, they're very basic. Everyone's cramped next to each other. You're lying in, a, in your little mattress and right next to you is the next brother. So the hygiene side of Mina is, is not, not the best and definitely post-COVID-19 there's going to be some big changes there. But the toilets at Mina, now for anyone that's listening and for maybe you guys have, have heard about this, but 
what everyone dreads in Mina is not the heat, it's not the food, it's the toilets. And wow, if you've not experienced anything, if you've not been to the toilets in Mina, and for the men and <laughs> something and to look forward to, it's, it's not something to look forward to. To the point where, <laughs> and I'll make this clear, you know, for three days, uh, uh, I didn't go to the toilet. <laughs> I, I, um, I was honestly, I think I went once and. I had to hold it in until I got back to Mecca because I was just, it was just for me, I'm an OCD freak and, and and you know when I was there I just couldn't handle it and I don't want to talk too much about the toilets in Mina because it's part of the experience and that's something that I dreaded and I kept asking the group leader about, I was like, you know, the, the toilets and he goes, look, that's part of Hajj and you know when, you know, a couple of days in, I was sitting there and I said, you know what? I came for Hajj, this is part of the experience and I'm just going to take it in and subhanAllah I managed to just get on with it and the nerves kind of went and yeah so so Mina is a, an, an experience in itself and then you go to, to obviously the Jamarats right now for those who don't know about the Jamarats that's where you, you practice in stoning the devil so there's three walls that you go and you stone and you collect those stones uh, and, and you use them when you're there now that happens after you come back from Muzdalifah so the day of Hajj is actually Arafat Arafat is, is these tents that you go to and then Arafat is where you do all your du'a and you do your, and subhanAllah, that day you just spend there, you've got your notebooks out, you're making du'a, asking for forgiveness for, for all the things that you might have done in your past, obviously we're, none of us are saints here. The day of Arafat is, is special because that's the day where your hajj can be accepted. So, you know, for us it's, it's weird to, it's hard to explain it but you're surrounded by the brothers and everyone's doing their own kind of you know dhikr and repentance and you know at the end the imam that was leading our group does this dawa now this dawa i think i've got a recording of of it on my phone it went on for around an hour that we're standing doing dawa and subhanallah frasma and the guy's crying his eyes out and there's brothers next to me fully grown men crying their eyes out because they're asking for forgiveness for all the things that you know, that's the day when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can forgive your sins, everything that you've sinned for, and that is what Hajj is all about. It's Allah giving you a fresh chance to start again. When you come back from, from Hajj, it's a fresh start, and that day of Arafat, subhanAllah, is the gift that Allah has given to us. And um, this is an experience in itself, and then after that is, for me, the biggest buzz of Hajj was going to Muzdalifa. Muzdalifa is a desert area where you stay, and you actually have to sleep out in the open, no fancy tents, nothing like that at all. It's you, you've got a mattress, and you're out in the open, sleeping with around a million other people in the desert. And guys, there's one thing that everyone discusses and uh, during Hajj and after Hajj, and it's how was your sleep in Muzdalifa? And I'm going to tell you to this day, it doesn't matter about what memory foam mattress you've got, what fancy you know <laughs> bed you've got at home, that sleep in Muzdalifa was the best sleep of my life. There's noises going off, kids are kids are screaming, the horns are going, the lights are on, and honestly, for us, that that sense of you know that feeling at Muzdalifa is one that it just cannot be you know replicated anywhere else, right? And uh, that's probably one of the the highlights for me in Hajj was was Muzdalifa. Then after that, you you go and and, and you carry on, you do your Jamarat, and and you're back in Mina again. And then you head back to, to Mecca and you do your tawaf as well. So Hajj is not easy, guys. And I'm going to be honest with you, it is, it is very difficult. Now, you said you struggled in Umrah, Faraz. I'm telling you, Hajj is, 
is so difficult. The rituals that are involved and what you have to do, the walking and the heat, you know, it's it's not easy. They've built tunnels. I was hoping you would be providing some encouragement then, you, you know, mean, yeah, you could you, do you know, You're a strong lad for us, you know, you've got plenty <laughs> of energy within you. It'll be it'll be a doddle for you. But no, none of that no, it's, it's gonna just, be very tough. Listen, it is the hardest thing I've done in my life. I've climbed mountains, I've done a lot of things and but Hajj was was the difficult most difficult thing that I've done and Faraz subhanAllah that the amount of strength Allah gives to those that are old that, that are old, that are weak, that are disabled. And you know, I seen me there was one point where I just couldn't walk anymore and it was between walking from the Jamarats back to Mina and my friend had to hold me and say, Zen we can do this and I was struggling and it's Allah that gives us the gift to stay strong and especially in Hajj, Allah's invited you there and, and for those that He wants to complete the Hajj and all the rites and rituals that are involved it's, it's bestowed upon you so you know going back to that Hajj the, uh, the the point that we were talking about for us why it's so important to go when we're young we're young fit lads and sisters and and I think one thing when it comes to Hajj is you know <sighs> subhanAllah it's, I know the money side of it is, is so difficult we're coming towards the end of the show and I, I definitely wanted to discuss these points the money is hard, right? It's five, six, seven thousand pounds, depending on where you're traveling from. And then it's obviously the commitment. You need to make the intention. You have to be ready for Hajj. You can't just, it's not just a holiday where you book up and you go there and, and so on. It's, it's, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And we have to appreciate that. And, you know, for those that are thinking about going on Hajj or are planning to go this year, it's important to, to bear that in mind that Allah's has invited you. And also when it comes to Umrah, like I said, many countries are, don't allow people to just go every year. There's some countries, and I think Pakistan's one of them, where you have to join a waiting list. And you have to wait sometimes 20, 30, 40 years before you're allowed to even go. So, you know, we're so lucky here in the UK that Umrah is not that expensive. And Umrah is so easy to do. You can just go to a travel agent, book up, and you're away. And that's something that I just wish a lot of the younger brothers and sisters that are around us would do. And, and, and encourage a lot of the youth to do that because guys if you've got the money there and especially when it comes to Hajj and a lot of my friends say to me Zen I'm not ready yet and I want to be praying and stuff like that those are things that we should kind of be doing already because we're Muslim and praying five times a day should be something that we're, we're doing and, and delaying Hajj is not something that's going to fix that definitely it's good to be in the routine but if you've got the money there and you've got the health it is a further upon us and I know there's certain restrictions mm. for people that you know they don't, they're not required to go but especially for the brothers out there I want to make this point that I, the reason I went when I did I know I was young and, and I, I kept saying to myself maybe I was too young to go at 21 for us but I didn't have a reason not to go the money the money if you know if you can afford it and I didn't have the money at the time subhanAllah when I went to and this is one of the blessings of Hajj is Arafat when you make your du'as and I'm going to be honest with the public, when I made the du'as, a lot of people sent me du'as to make. And subhanAllah, for us, a lot of those du'as were, were answered, right? Some people asked me to make du'a for them to get married, to get jobs. They're having problems with exams. You know, all those people, when I followed up with them after Hajj, subhanAllah, so many of the du'as were accepted. That person got married. I managed to get a job. I made a lot of du'a for Allah to give me a job. Alhamdulillah, I was blessed with an amazing job. And you know, within a couple of months, I put the money together and I gave it to my dad, right? And I didn't want that Hajj to be out of his pocket. I wanted to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen that money again, you know. And, you know, after I left that job, I've not had that. I could not afford to go to Hajj again. And I don't know when I'll be able to do that. And probably the same with a lot of listeners now. 
but I didn't have a reason not to go that year and Allah made it uh, easy for me to get the money back and, and go and do the Hajj and, and, and I'm internally grateful for the opportunity and for my dad obviously asking me to go and you know if I could go again I will jump at the moment if you've got the money and you've got the means and when you're young you've got the energy when you're in your 20s and your 30s you can walk and but see when you leave it till you're too late and this is the problem with a lot of us People leave it till they're too late for us. They, they, you know, and, and Abu Bakr, I'm giving you this reminder as well because you're a young lad. But, you know, if you've not got nothing to do and you know you can get the money together, it's a fard upon us. It's one of the pillars of Islam. It is so important and it is a big thing in your life. You, you know, you say to yourself, you have to change as a Muslim, but it, it has to be done. And you, we I think have people do overlook it, don't they? When they do. Do you know many people who might say that you know I can't afford to go or whatever? But a lot of people are out, you know yeah. buying cars and then houses. The, and the, the thing so is, the money is there. I, I guess it's just about getting that intention and, and a little bit of a push to just yeah. try and sort of get yourself look, there. And the way I think about it is, if you're paying your zakat, you, you're praying five times a day, you're doing all the other pillars. This is one of the pillars, and if you can do it, you do it. And you, you're right for us. A lot of people around me and, and I've seen them they've got money to go to Dubai and spend three four grand there and hire this car out and do a fancy wedding but we don't have the money to go to Hajj and that's just one of my own opinions and, and, and you know I'm not saying that's the case for everyone we all, Allah knows our intentions but if we have the money and you know you can do it someone will look after your business someone will you can get the time off work you can go on shorter packages they're making it so easy now you know and um, definitely I wanted to make that point and um you know, definitely, I think, you know, we're reaching towards the end of the show. And uh, and I know Abu Bakr wanted to share a little point, you know, something that you wanted to, to mention, the beauty of the Masjid Haram and the opportunities there at Makkah. Yeah, ju- I just wanted to touch up on your point, Zen. I don't think there's any right time to do something. I think, you know, you should just t- take matters into your own hands and say, yeah. I think the time's now to do it. Yeah. You know, if you're going to do something, why not do it now? Why not take that job opportunity now not why not go to Hajj now yeah. or Umrah and, 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 uh, even if it's not Hajj yeah. like you said Umrah is, is, is not that expensive and we've been given the opportunity let's do it yeah. and, and I try and encourage the brothers and, and obviously the sisters that are listening go to Umrah Hajj is big Hajj is a big thing but go to Umrah you'll feel comfortable get used to the surroundings so when it does come to coming to Hajj You'll just fly in and you'll get on with it and it'll make it much easier. Um, You know, another thing definitely worth mentioning is Medina. We've not talked too much about Medina. Fraz, did you get a chance to go to Medina? Yeah, I did manage to get um, out out to Medina as a really, really beautiful city. I was always told that Medina would be sort of less less busy and and there would be a lot less hustle and bustle in Medina, but um, I, I found it to be pretty similar to be honest with you yeah. you know when you when you go into the burial sites of the prophet and when the when those doors open and then there's a big rush of people and yeah. people are pushing each other and people are trying to pray and um, in specific spaces so um but but yeah i mean I, 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 the mosque is really beautiful and yeah. and the canopies and but um, i managed to get get out there and but there was, um, there, there was, there's just something different about, for me, Medina. just that first moment of sitting there and yeah. in front of the Kaaba, to be honest with you. Okay. Just, just sitting there and staring at the Kaaba was just something that I love to do. SubhanAllah. Um, and, you know, that is the biggest moment for many people and for me as well. But, you know, for me, Fraz, when I go to Medina, you know, for me, I know you're saying you, you found it busy, but for me, 
it's just so much more chilled out there and you can do a bit of shopping and you know and, and for those that are worried about what it's like there in terms of food and stuff like that guys when you go to dubai it's the same there there's the same food outlets that are in all these other arab countries that are there yeah, because it's all these american chains right, that you, are there all over the place don't, inside yeah don't worry you'll get your mcdonald's you'll get your um you know kfc hardy's everything's <laughs> there and you can eat as much as you want there but subhanallah medina it's just a city of peace and you know for me the biggest thing for me is just being near the prophet his resting places there and the amount of blessings and stories that came from medina medina is is such a blessed city and you feel that when you come there the people are so nice to you and the mosque itself is just beautiful and obviously you're near where the sahabas are buried Medina is just such a special place and um, you know I, I encourage anyone that goes to do their Umrah and obviously you, you're going to take that trip to Medina it is such a beautiful city and um, you know it's the prophet city and, and the most beloved of all of us it's definitely just a place wanted to, to um, just wanted to make a very very quick point I wanted to take a minute of your time just to plug something if that was okay go ahead um, with you currently I mean I know everyone's fundraising for various causes etc but I came across something a couple of days ago that was sent to me um, about a charity down in London called Al-Ishara okay um, I'm not sure if you heard of them before but they're this, this charity that I've sort of uh, a unique organization that's sort of uh, working towards making Islam accessible to deaf people Okay. Um, so I know we were talking about disabilities, etc. And um, Alishara are currently at risk of, of, of going bust due to the pandemic. And they're, they're sort of urgently trying to get some donations together to try and keep them afloat. Now, um, Alishara was, they completed their first ever dedicated deaf-friendly Hajj. Um, very, very recently. So we're talking about... Um, getting sort of interpreters and, and um, getting um, uh, the the Quran um, being translated into British Sign Language and providing, you know, deaf um, hajis, a, a visual breakdown of what, okay. what's going to happen and where you're going to do. Um, and they had like these dedicated people go out with this with this group of deaf hajis who went down. There were medical professionals sent out with them and doctors sent out with them. So, okay. um, well, a, a, a very unique charity, Al Ishara. Okay. Um, if you go onto the website alishara.com, they're doing great things and and they're they're holding um, Hajj every year for for death. Amazing. Regard. So it's something definitely that people should check out. Okay, amazing, Fraz. Thank you very much for that, Fraz. And for those that are listening and and want to le- learn more, just drop me a message. I can pass you the information. Thirty seconds left, so Fraz, I'm going to let you go. Jazakallah Khair for joining us tonight. Jazakallah Khair. Thank you. An so amazing, much. amazing show, Islam, uh, discussing Hajj and Umrah and the blessings around it and it really is a trip of a lifetime from the buzz on the plane to staying the night in Masdalifa and I just want people to know that you know it's one of those things I want you guys to, to inshallah make the intention and go and do it may Allah take us all to, to Makkah and Medina and, and, and experience the beautiful city tomorrow we're on discussing racism does it still exist so please join us I'm going to be a massive show tomorrow from me and Abu Bakr Jazakallah for listening to Late Night Live and Abu Bakr Jazakallah for listening to Late Night Live Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Thank you for listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Make sure to visit our Radio Ramadan website at rr365.co.uk to access all of our podcasts. Stay tuned on our social channels for future content. 